Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the College Football Playoff Show, where college football playoff contenders earn the right to be discussed and where the playoff never ends. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Back on the College Football Playoff Show, the final kind of like, you know, preseason, even though it kind of started, yeah, the teams we worried about haven't started yet. So Shahan and I today will be making our playoff picks. Shahan, I'm so excited to hear who you are actually picking to make the playoff in the second half of the show. I feel like this is a little look into how our minds work, which is kind of why I'm nervous to give mine, because I don't really want people to know. But I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is what it's all about, isn't it? We're putting it on the line. Yeah, it's... This is decision day in a lot of ways. This is the episode that uh, in a couple of months we're going to look back and either look really smart or really dumb. I have a guess which I'm going to look. But first, we are going to do in the first half of the show, the last team that deserves a, 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 a great reckoning about whether they truly are a playoff caliber team. And that is the Cincinnati Bearcats. We have not done a group of five team yet. We had to do one. We kind of saved Cincinnati for this. They certainly made a run at it last year, had a really interesting year, have interesting opportunities. So as always, we'll get into sort of a deeper discussion about that. But off the top on the College Football Playoff Show, we make a one-minute argument on either side, should they be in the discussion or not. And starting off on the pro side is Shahan Jeharaja. Look, no team has made the College Football Playoff from the group of five. It's impossible to ignore that. But when you look at this Cincinnati team, their path is as reliable and consistent as I think anyone has ever been. First of all, you get two games against potential top 25 teams from the Power Five ranks in Notre Dame and Indiana, both of those games on the road. Notre Dame, of course, being a team that already is in our uh, in our group of teams that are playoff contenders. And then additionally, playing in the American, I think that that gives you a much bigger advantage than other group of five programs because you do play multiple teams that could be ranked in the AP Top 25, including UCF, including SMU, including Houston. So that path is there. And when you look at this team as well, I, I think that they were very, very impressive last year. You saw at the end of the year, they were right there competing with Georgia. They maybe should have beat Georgia if things go a little bit differently. Defensively, this is one of the best defenses in college football at any level. One of the best secondaries in college football at any level. Ahmad Gardner at, at cornerback, one of the best players in college football at any level. So this is not a team that's just good for a team from the American. This is a team that is as good as any team in college football, and they deserve to be in the discussion. The thing we have to make sure, Shahan, though, is that we are having the same discussion about Cincinnati that we're having about everybody else, because we are not here on the playoff show to have an underdog 
close but no cigar style points moral victory discussion because that is one of the things I, I dislike the most sometimes when people start bringing group of five stuff in. It's like, okay, well, you got to bring them all the way in. This is not, hey, you beat a mid-tier Pac-10, Pac-12 team or Big Ten team. Congratulations on your win over Washington State or Purdue, and now you're a playoff contender. That's not how this works. And although Luke Fickle has done an amazing job at Cincinnati, the 30, he's 31-6 and six there the last three years, against ranked teams, four and five. In the last three years. And last year, they were 3-1 and one against ranked teams, but that was the loss to Georgia in the bowl game. Now, that was a close game, right? But again, we're not playing close, but no cigar. We're playing, you hung around with Georgia a long time, but you didn't find a way to win it in the end. And the wins were over Army, SMU, and Tulsa. Their other uh, win over a ranked team in the past three years is against UCF. Their ranked losses, UCF, two to Memphis, the Georgia loss last year. And in 2019, they came to Ohio Stadium and got blown off the field by the Buckeyes in week two, 42 to nothing. And and that was something that has stuck with me. And so I'm a little bit, I could imagine a prove it mode with Cincinnati. I know what you said. Yes, they do have a path, but why put them in the discussion until they get to that point? They go to Indiana in week three. They have a bye. They go to Notre Dame in week five. If they win both those games, because you can't win one, you got to win both. If they win both those, let them in, baby. Then we'll be more than happy to talk about them. But in the meantime, you know, Clemson's playing Georgia this week. This is big boy school. So I don't know that we have to rush Cincinnati into that discussion when you're four and five against ranked teams in this great three-year run for the Cincinnati Bearcats. That's the pro. That's the con. That's how we do it. Then we move into the second stage of the discussion where we talk about, are they really a national title contender? What's a roadblock for them? And then how do we really feel about it? Again, you don't have to be a national title contender to get in the mix, but let's go right there, Shahan. As we're talking about Cincinnati, is it title level? Like, I mean, can we see that kind of thing? Is this Gordon Hayward, you know, bouncing the, the half-court shot off the backboard to beat Duke? Is this win-it-all kind of discussion? Or is this that being in this discussion with Alabama, Clemson, and Oklahoma is victory enough for Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly hard to, to see them being a true national title contender. Uh, defensively, I mean, what I said is true. This is a very, very, very good defense. They proved it against Georgia. I mean, Georgia had gone in those last four games with JT Daniels. They'd gone and kind of set the world on fire, and they really were held under control in that uh, in that bowl game. And, uh, you know, I, I can't speak for you, but I expect that I will have Georgia in heavy consideration for the college football playoff and maybe even for the number one seed. So, like, that's not just doing it against any team. That's doing it against Georgia and a Georgia team that also still had a lot of production that they lose this year. So I don't know if I'm quite ready to say that they could win a national championship. Also, I think the depth comes into play there. I think recruiting stuff does come into play there. But I do think that this is a team that can compete on that level. You said it. They didn't win the game. I mean, that that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. But I do think that that proves that, OK, this is a team that isn't going to get blown off the field just because there's talent on the other side. So as you said, the recruiting stuff is an issue. Of course, um, we understand that at this level, overall recruiting classes since 2018, the last four years, 49th in the country, 66th, 41st, 45th. That's according to 247 sports composite rating. They've been first, second, first and first in the American. So they're the best of their group, but we are taking them beyond their group. Here's the thing. I, I don't know in the end how different they are from Iowa State. And I'm kind of very enthused about Iowa State, and partly because yeah. Iowa State at times 
I mean, Iowa State showed it on the field last year. They beat Oklahoma in the regular season, and they played toe-to-toe with Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. There isn't a win on the Cincinnati resume that matches that Iowa State win beating, you know, it's young Spencer Rattler, but it's still Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Riley early last year. So that's maybe why there might be a little enthusiasm gap. But then otherwise, listen, when all this shakes out, we talked about it on the Q&A pod this week. Cincinnati and Iowa State might wind up in the same conference. And right now, I mean, what is what is the difference? Is there any difference? I don't really I don't think there is. They both have head coaches that people think are going to jump to bigger jobs at some point. They both are, are helped by super seniors. I think Cincinnati has about six super seniors that are, are making differences for them this year. And then they both have skill guys that matter. They both have good quarterbacks. They both have some standout defensive guys. When you talk from a talent standpoint, uh, Shahan, you mentioned it. Sauce Gardner at corner, he's, he's as good as anybody who's not Derek Stingley Jr., right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. This guy's a probable first-round pick kind of talent. Uh, Maje Sa- uh, Sanders on the defensive line, he's, he's a possible first round pick. He's as good as almost anybody in college football getting after the passer who isn't Kayvon Thibodeau, right? I mean, this is what we're talking about with these guys, that this is elite kind of stuff. And then to look a, a week ago, Shahan, on this podcast, we ranked the quarterbacks for the playoff contenders. And you don't get into that discussion for the ranking of a specific thing until you're in the discussion overall. So Cincinnati wasn't there. But if you took quarterback Desmond Ritter and tried to fit him in to this group, the quarterbacks for these teams. Last week, we both had Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, number one. We both had DJ Uyunglele from Clemson, number two. Now, again, Sam Howell didn't quite make that discussion because North Carolina, Jess Smith joining a playoff group. Would we have Desmond Ritter three? Is that I, I think that's where I might have him because I think I had Brock Purdy three. But if we're talking about Bryce Young as a young five-star who's never done it, C.J. Stroud as a young top 50 player at Ohio State who's never done it, and then some of these other veteran guys, I think, I think Desmond Ritter is probably a better quarterback than J.T. Daniels and Brock Purdy and some of these other guys with what he can do run and pass and the experience he has. I'm not so sure that Cincinnati wouldn't have the third-best quarterback in this group. And if you've got a quarterback like that, man— you got a chance to hang with almost anybody, don't you? Right. And I would probably have him a little bit more middle class, but you definitely, I think, take him over several of the guys that we we named last week. I think that I'd take him right now over Haynes King. I think I'd take him right now maybe over Bryce Young, right? And and that's big talk. I mean, that that's some of the, the best quarterback recruits in America. And, and like you said, with Desmond Ritter, he is... I mean, it's kind of like what I talked about last week with the deep ball thing with uh, with Brock Purdy, right? Like, that's the last piece of his game, but I think that it can come along. I think, and he has receiver talent coming back, and, and you mentioned what he can do in the run game. I mean, nobody else can really match that. So I, I do think that they have some high-end pieces that are as high-end as anybody. And, and it's interesting that you bring up the Iowa State comparison because I do think that there's a lot of that just in terms of being well-coached, execution, developed at a high level with some real studs. Uh, around the field yeah. that really give them a chance to be special. The one thing that I'll say, though, about Cincinnati versus Iowa State is that they don't bring back as many starters. Now, yes. they bring back experience. They bring back backups. They bring up guys who have played a lot, but they don't bring back as much experience as Iowa State does. I mean, Iowa State just bring back stupid experience. But, um, but I mean, I, I do think that based on what they showed last year, I, I still have to feel very good about that. They... Lost their two tackles on offense. They lost their two safeties on defense. They, you know, they they did. They lost some guys in there, for sure. But again, they are. It, this is, I think, 
what we may be getting to, Shahan, even in the second half of this podcast is with the super seniors, and I was skeptical about how much super seniors were actually going to make a difference when the NCAA last year said that nobody's eligibility a year ago was taken up. Everybody gets another free year. There are key teams where you can see that it matters, and not as much as maybe Iowa State, but they're, they're, Kobe Bryant's a guy on the back end of this defense. I covered his brother as Ohio State. He's just like a difference maker, kind of like glue guy in the back end of a defense. I think it's possible that they have some peak guys. I think Desmond Ritter, when, if the seasons, if he was in the Big Ten, when it comes to sort of talent and certainty, I, I think he might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten if Cincinnati was in the Big Ten. I think he might be the best quarterback in the Pac-12 if he's in the Pac-12. You look at Mel Kuyper's rankings for draft-eligible quarterbacks for 2022, he's fifth. And among mm. guys in the, the playoff mix, one is Rattler, two is Sam Howell, North Carolina, and then in uh, among actual playoff contenders, it's Ritter. He's ahead of Keaton Slovis. He's ahead of JT Daniels, right? I think that's – so it's like – I think Desmond Ritter might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten if he played in it, and I think – Cincinnati's secondary is probably better than Ohio State secondary in terms of yeah. oh, certainty. I mean, you know, th- there's no sauce gardener at Ohio State right now in terms of no. certainty. No. And so you start doing stuff like that and you start piecing it together. Right. And they have, you know, they have a receiver who's a transfer from Notre Dame. Their lead tailback is a transfer from Alabama. You've kind of got all the pieces of Cincinnati working in concert with the super seniors, with the new transfer world, with increased recruiting under Luke Fickle. The G5 teams, I think, are getting a pitch that they can sell to people now. I think it is a very interesting convergence, and I think it's I think it's possible there. That, now, am I pick? I, no, Cincinnati's not going to win the national title. But when you're talking about this kind of stuff, it's like, well, give me Desmond Ritter and and game changers at edge rusher and corner under defense. It's like that's where I want to start a team. And Cincinnati has right. three guys at probably the three most important spots on a football team. Yeah, and and we can move on to uh, to roadblock in just a second. But the last thing that I'll mention on that is that you look at the two co- sort of quality teams that you play in Indiana and Notre Dame. I mean, this secondary is going to give those quarterbacks absolute hell. Yes. Just absolute hell. I mean, can you imagine Jack Cohn going against this secondary? Can you imagine? I mean, I like Michael Penix a lot, but that's a tough ask for just him and Ty Freifogel to go against this secondary. And so there's a lot of reasons for optimism for me. And uh, and yeah, I mean, when you have a just a playmaker like Desmond Ritter, I, I think that that really does give you sometimes that extra sauce that you need. All right. Roadblock. What is the roadblock? We always talk about it. It could be something on the schedule. It could be a particular aspect of the team. What's the roadblock, Sean? I think and this one's a little bit of a, of a weird one. I, I think that the roadblock for them is just the margin of error. They cannot make a single mistake. Not only can they not lose games, but they can't look bad winning games. I mean, this is one of those things like you go back to the old BCS where it's like, it's not just about doing the thing. It's about looking good doing it. And with two exceptions with that at Indiana and at Notre Dame. But, you know, I mean, they really have to be pretty dominant, I think, against the rest of their schedule to have a chance. I mean, they do play SMU, who I do think is a team that will be ranked at some point this season. They do play UCF, who will be a team, in my opinion, that will be ranked at some point this season. Uh, but, but you know, at the same time, it's like their closing statement is November 27th at East Carolina. Like, that's not going to impress anybody the week before that you go or two weeks before that you go at USF. That's not impressing anybody, right? So 
I think that they need to look really good doing it. And that's a lot to ask for any college football team. I mean, even the only team last year, week to week, that looked impressive every single week was really Alabama. And they were maybe one of the greatest football teams of all time. So that's it to me is that to stay in this discussion, to really be considered still a uh, a playoff caliber team, I think that they need to be great every single week with really no let up. That's a really smart way to couch it. Even you look last year, and and I don't know if it's fair or not. I actually, I'm not going to apologize too much. I actually think it probably is fair because again, it's yeah, you're not playing an SEC schedule, so there is a kind of an expectation of what you're showing each week. They get into the top ten quick, yeah, right. I mean, they were 20 in the preseason. They jumped to 13 right away after their first win. Their week two win against Army was a ranked win. Their week four win against SMU was a ranked win. They're in the top 10 after that. They beat Memphis. They're number seven. They get up as high as number six. And then they finish at UCF. It's a three-point win. And that they were trailing in that game going into the fourth quarter. And then Tulsa in the American Championship game, it's a three-point win also. And it's one of those things, right? You're still winning, but you're beating UCF and Tulsa by three while... Alabama's playing Auburn and and Ohio State's playing Michigan. And, you know, so that that does matter. And then I think the other part of this is they lost their defensive coordinator. Now, Luke Fickle is a defensive guy, and he and Marcus Freeman are practically like brothers. Luke Fickle coached Marcus Freeman when Marcus played at Ohio State. Marcus Freeman, now the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Mike Tressel, who is Jim Tressel's nephew, came from Michigan State, is the new defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. But I think in the past three years, Shahan, you know, Marcus Freeman got as hot as any coordinator on either side of the ball in college football. And so I don't think you can look at that loss and just say, oh, no no big deal. Coaches move, whatever, you know, the guy went to Notre Dame. That has some effect. They say they're going to play the same 3-3-5 defense that Marcus latched onto last year. A lot of the same guys. And again, Luke's a defensive guy. So even Marcus was running a, a Luke Fickle style of defense. But between the need to be perfect and losing an assistant that good, that feels like something, right? Yeah, no, there, there's no question about it. I mean, we talked about Marcus Freeman last uh, last week or two weeks ago or whatever when we talked about Notre Dame. I mean, he is a legit type game changer there. And uh, and I mentioned on the show yesterday, Brian Kelly kind of mentioned offhand that he could be the next head coach at Notre Dame. That's how highly people thought of him. And Anytime a new coordinator comes in, there's there's a level of transition. I mean, it's very rare that, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that things just click immediately. Now, when you have the experience and the talent that this team does, I think it's easier to look good. And the other thing, too, is that you do get a couple of games. You do get to play Miami and Murray State before you have to go to Indiana and before you have to go to Notre Dame. So, you know, you get two games to get your feet under you. And when you have such an experienced team, maybe that'll be okay. But I, I do, I think, in some ways, wish that they played those games later in the year so that they had a little bit more time to get comfortable. Now, I don't think it's going to be something that will ruin their season. I don't think it's going to be the reason that they lose those games if they do lose those games, but it's going to make the task a little bit harder. Again, just to recap again on some of the talent on this team, Josh Wiley, their tight end, number five in the Mel Kuyper draft eligible rankings. Maje Sanders, edge rusher, number six. Sauce Gardner at corner, number four. So that's... That's four guys. I mean, there are teams. I mean, that's crazy. There, there are power five teams who who can't dream this year of having that many guys in the mix uh, to be top one hundred picks in the NFL draft. All right, let's get to to how our strength of feeling about this team, whether it's high, medium, or low, before we reveal what it is. And I will say, I just want to lay this down off the top, Shahan. In general, when it comes to a group of five discussion like this, let's just have this out in the open first. 
Are you inclined to give a group of five team the benefit of the doubt or not give them the benefit of the doubt? I mean, I think that obviously I, I like an inclusive sport. I like teams being involved. But at the same time, if I'm going to have a discussion about a group of five team, I want to be realistic about it. You have to have that path. You have to have enough ranked games in front of you to be able to make a resume. I do think that in a lot of ways, uh, we've talked before about having sort of a setup season to kind of set yourself up for the play for the playoff this year to make that case. I, I do think that I don't want to talk about a team as being a legitimate playoff contender unless I feel like they're going to be a legitimate playoff contender. I can talk about them as a team that I feel like should be in the playoff mix and isn't, but uh, but I don't want to treat them as a legitimate playoff team unless I feel like there's a path, there's talent, there's experience, uh, and I really think that they can do it. I, I am disinclined to do it. That I just think the week-in, week-out slog through the SEC, through the Big Ten, through the Big 12 – and, but, you know, and then you get into some of it, it's like, well, I mean, even the middle of the Big Ten, is it that much of a slog? Is the ACC that much of a slog? Is playing Wake Forest and NC State and any different, really, than playing SMU and UCF? I mean, I no, I mean, the bottom of the Pac-12. So, but I am disinclined to it in general, but there are some things coalescing here. You talk about, you've all, often talked about setup years. The last three years, Cincinnati, 11 and 2, 11 and 3, 9 and 1. They've kind of laid it down. So they are not an out-of-nowhere team. They've built up some equity. You talk about opportunity. They've got two ranked teams in the first five weeks of the season, but those ranked teams aren't Clemson, Georgia, or Alabama. So it's not as, as stark of a talent gap, but they're clear top 15 teams. And then you talk about talent peaks within sort of this baseline of, hey, the recruiting got better. You're in the 40s or whatever, but they have some NFL dudes on here. There's a lot happening. And then I think if you believe in Luke Fickle, a lot of people, you know, he could have had the Michigan State job. He turned it down. People think maybe he'll be a Big Ten coach or some, you know, an ACC coach in the next three years if he wants it. There are some things coalescing here, Shahan. So when you think about Cincinnati, are you high, medium, or low in terms of your level of what you think about what you think about them? Well, let's remember, this is about getting in the discussion. That's all this is. And so for me, I, I would say that I have a medium level of, uh, of confidence. I, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go both ways. Again, we talked about it. It's hard to consider a group of five program at all because of how the playoff committee will treat them. And also because of just uh, the difference in paths. So I'm right there in the middle at a medium. I will say that a year ago, I was not really hearing the Cincinnati playoff talk, right? When there were uh, as many undefeated teams as there were. And it's just one of those things I just... I know they were undefeated, but them being undefeated in an under, in a in a world where multiple teams were undefeated is just like kind of not it to me. You know, like that's just not a discussion that I am particularly interested in having when, you know, you had two undefeated teams last year and some of the teams I just thought were were clearly better. And I just didn't think I wasn't as outraged when the committee had them lower in the rankings at the end as some people were. But I think right now, um I, I've firmed up my position on Cincinnati. And I'm, I'm a pretty high level about what I think about these guys at this point. After, after rewatching a lot of Desmond Ritter, after taking another run through their roster, I, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what these guys are all about. So I'd say I'm high level, which means let's get to what we think. So, Jahan, do you want to go first? Or do you want to be the anchor leg on this one? Sure, I'll go first. I'll go first. We'll see if the, uh, if the textures overturn me again. I am going to go ahead and vote them in. Okay. Yes, they will have opportunities if they aren't in to play their way in. But 
I don't think I need to wait. This is a team that went 9-1 and one last year, finished the regular season undefeated. They have that path in front of them. I'm willing to give them benefit of the doubt. We talked yesterday on, on the Q&A show about LSU, right? Like, I'm not willing to give a 5-5 five and five team benefit of the doubt, but I'm willing to do that for a team that went 9-0 and through the regular season with, with a couple of ranked wins. And so, for me, I, I think that Cincinnati has as clear a path as really any group of five teams since whatever 2016 Houston I think it was uh, because they do have the combination of schedule they have the combination of having a great year the year before they have the combination of coaching talent they have the combination of legitimate NFL talent as well Uh, and and so I think that everything's kind of coming together for them to really make a case for that four seed and the other thing that I'll mention too and, and we'll get into this in the second half of the show is that I think that there is a chance that there is some real chaos with that third and fourth spot. And so I do think that opens the door to us, at least thinking a little differently to where, look, if you go 12-0, and 13-0, and 0, I, I think that it's going to be a stronger case this year as a group of five team than maybe in previous years. I think that's an, an excellent point that I completely agree with. I am also anticipating a beautiful mess. And in that situation... It's just different to me than when you were trying to put Cincinnati in a discussion a year ago when Alabama and Ohio State were undefeated and Clemson's only loss was in overtime at Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence. And it's like, oh, what? And then, you know, Notre Dame had a win over Clemson, even if it was kind of a weird one. It's still a beat Clemson and Texas A&M was a really good team. And it's just it, it didn't match up in the end a year ago. But I'm going to go ahead and put them in as well, because I think everything's here. And if they only had four of the five things, I think I might be out, but they have build up. They have opportunity. They have experience, not as much as I would say, but they still have experience. They have good coaching and they have NFL level talent at key spots led by a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, it's always going to be hard for me to put a group of five in a team. in if you don't have a quarterback, but Notre Dame would kill for Desmond Ritter right now, <laughs> Oregon. If Oregon had Desmond Ritter, Ohio state, would be, I think, very worried about Oregon coming to Columbus in week two. So when we ran through those quarterback rankings, he's a game changer, man. He he really has a great package of skills combined with a ton of experience. They've played him and played him and played him and built up to this point. So I think it's pretty cool. I don't need to wait. But the other thing is, Shahan, I think one loss and they're out. Yes. I th- we're, once we get into the regular season, we're going to be kicking teams out on this show, just like we're letting teams in. As you said, there's no room for error. So you're in, now go undefeated. And if you go undefeated in a world where I think we both think it might be difficult for a lot of these Power 5 teams to go undefeated, it could get really interesting at the end of the year. But don't lose to SMU and then say, well, we had a bad Saturday because that's just not a right that a group of five team gets in this world right now. Shahan, the texters, what do you think they went? It was 56% to 44% in the vote. They're all since that he's already in. But what do you think the texter said? I think that they voted them in. I think that they saw what happened last year. I think they saw them hang with uh, with Georgia as well. I think that they voted them in. They did vote them in. Look at that. How about that? So Cincinnati. Congratulations. Unanimous admission as the 10th team in our college football playoff show discussion entering the season. Cincinnati joins Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Texas A&M, Georgia, Notre Dame, Oregon, Iowa State. Those were the nine before. Cincinnati makes it 10. That's the group we will take into the season. We can go as high as 12. So, you know, teams early on, you have an impressive win, you have a chance to get in, and these other teams, nothing's assured. 
So you lose the wrong game, you might get kicked out. Shahan, you, you kind of thought they'd make it, right? I mean, you you acted like, oh, I'm unbiased about Group of Five. You are a soft-hearted, inclusive Group of Five dude. I knew you were going to be in love with the Bearcats. <laughs> well, I think I think that's something that we've learned over the last couple of weeks is that, man, you, you toss uh, you toss some plucky underdogs my way. I'm all for it. And you, you toss some not plucky, uh, not very good power programs and I'm out on them. Right. So but in, in all seriousness, I mean, Cincinnati, I, I think that we saw what they could do last year. And and just for me. Right. Like I, I did get to cover the uh, Cincinnati live last year. One time they played SMU and SMU. I mean, I, I would consider them in terms of quality to be about a mid tier uh, power five program, right? I think it's about that. And so they got their butt beat in a way that I have not seen SMU lose in a very, very long time. So it was very impressive to me. They completely shut them down. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that they certainly deserved a spot in our college football playoff uh, top 10. And I will say that I'm probably the one that had the, the harder sell for Cincinnati to get in. And I fell in love with them too. All right. Cincinnati is in. And next, on the College Football Playoff Show, Shahan and I will lay it down and make our playoff picks. The four teams that will make the College Football Playoff, we will be right back after this. Back on the College Football Playoff Show, if you want to be a tech subscriber, 817-442-6789. You get texts in your phone from Doug Maurice and from Shahan J. Haraja of CBS Sports. Dropping the knowledge on you. Make sure you are following Shahan and his new gig, with CBS, which is awesome and cool and exciting, and we're putting it down. We're going to say who we have in the playoff. I'm excited. I think we agree it could get messy. It has not been that messy, Shahan. Just to double-check, I was just looking back through. You know, last year, Texas A&M, fifth. You know, they had some backers, but I think most people kind of thought, you know, Cincinnati had some backers. It was kind of clear that Notre Dame was the fourth team. Um, you know, uh, they're just there. 2019, I think, was really obvious. 2018, uh, I remember thinking maybe Ohio State would get in um, as a one loss Big Ten champ. They didn't. 2017, it was uh, Ohio State was out again as a, as a two loss champ. But there, I mean, 2014, Jahan, obviously, as we've talked about on the show, was like quite controversial with, with Baylor and TCU. I think maybe we have a chance this year to be as controversial as it's been in the end since year one. Yeah, no, I I definitely think so. I think for me, there's a pretty clear top group in my top four. And I think the bottom's going to get really interesting because when I'm doing this, I'm trying to run through scenarios, right? I'm trying to think through like, okay, well, if this team wins this game, if this matchup goes this way, this is how this team gets to number one or number two or number four or whatever. And there's a lot of scenarios. I mean, one game that I'll point to that I think will really shape this discussion does happen in week one. I think that Georgia Clemson game is really going to shape in a lot of ways the path to the playoff and the path to the number one seat potentially. So yeah, I think that this has a chance to be as competitive a year. And I've mentioned it time and time again, but, but seriously, like the fact that all the top teams lost talent and everybody else brought everybody back, it's going to be fascinating. I, I think it's going to really make things interesting. And, and I think that it could have an impact on our playoff discussion. The first four years of the playoff, there were three undefeated teams among Power Five conferences combined in the first four years of the playoff. The last three years, 2018, three undefeated teams. 2019, three undefeated teams. 2020, two undefeated teams. So when you have that in this era, I mean, they're in, 
right? I mean, an undefeated Power Five team is in. So you think about how much easier it's been the last couple of years. I think we could, in 2017, there were none. There were no undefeated teams in 2017. I think we could be back at that threshold. And if you would add an undefeated Cincinnati from the group of five into a world with no undefeated Power Five teams, that is beautiful chaos, Shahan. And I absolutely think that is on the table, as we've talked about continually on this pod, what you just said. The top might be a little down. The second tier might be a little up. And that might create a group of like, I don't know, seven to nine to 10 teams. For instance, the group we have on our show that might be at a very equal level to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I think that this is a great first year to have the college football playoff show. You know, we couldn't have planned it better. Thanks to thanks to uh, Clemson, Alabama and Ohio State for losing their first round draft pick quarterbacks this year to make our show interesting. All right. Let's get into who we think is barely going to miss because my barely going to misses are going to light your hair on fire. I am putting myself out there. I am not here's. I just would like to repeat for the record or for people who don't know me and are hearing this for the first time. When I say something insane, it is not a hot take. It is just my weird opinion. Do not think I am doing this for ratings because you are going to berate me and mock me when I'm wrong. Why would I do this to myself? It's real. (laughs) This is a real human being's opinion, no matter how ludicrous it might seem, Shahan. So I will start off with the team that would be my last, my first team out, and it's Clemson. Wow. Okay. That's a hot start. That's a real hot start. And the reason is because in my scenario, and I scenarioed the heck out of this thing, baby. Like (laughs) this is a very specific one in a million thing for all my stuff to come together and create my top four. But I, you know, I am who I am. What am I going to do? That is Clemson losing to Georgia, running the table from there on out. And that Mm. not being enough. Mm. That a one loss ACC champ is not enough. And it is from a world where, for instance, in 2018, a one loss Big Ten champ for Ohio State was not enough. Now, that was a bad loss to a bad team for Ohio State. This would be a good loss to a good team. That's a different bird, right? I understand that. But I just don't know if I, this is what you talked about, Shahan, right off the bat. That this opening week, Georgia Clemson, and from the start, I've said I think Georgia's going to win. Georgia, by the way, Kiaris Jackson, Jermaine Burton, two of their receivers should be good to go and play. Eric Gilbert still sounds like he won't go. George Pickens still has the ACL. They just need a couple guys at the skill position to catch passes from JT Daniels, and then you let that defense, that young defense, roll. I just think this could be where the, the lack of strength in the ACC, Shahan, catches up with Clemson where they are a good team. I'm not saying Clemson's going to have a bad year. I'm going to say they lose to a really good team in week one, and then they get squeezed. Because again, in a chaotic year, I think someone might get the squeeze. So I agree with you. I think that George is going to beat Clemson in week one. I think that is going to shape this playoff discussion in a lot of ways. And so I do have the team that will, in my opinion, lose the SEC championship game as my number five team. I'm, of course, talking about Texas A&M. You're making it real. You're making it real. Come with me, Sean. Come with me on this beautiful journey into chaos. Because if Texas A&M is losing the SEC championship game, then I know what another team is that's out. 
Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm sweating. I'm fanning yep. myself. We, I swear we don't want to sound like insane people, but, but here, here's the thing. Again, yep. I, I'm trying to caveat our insanity because you're, you're right there with me. I can tell. Yeah. Oh, oh, 100%. The four teams that we started this whole podcast with Ohio state, Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma, they've accounted for 20 of the 28 spots. In year one, they took two of the four. Every year since then, they've taken three of the four. I have seen some people predict that in this year of chaos, they arrive at all four of them getting in. That That's never happened. Right. We've never had all big four together. I have a hard right. time believing that in this year of chaos, the result's going to be the most obvious playoff group yet. I just yeah. don't think that's where we're getting. I think we back off of that. And we wind up with fewer of the obvious teams. And so it's almost always been three. I can't believe you would go four. I'm more in the range of two of those four, right? So that's where this is getting a little bit hairy, but Shahan, we're all so conditioned to see these, these teams year after year, because it's Clemson and Bama, six out of seven, Oklahoma and Ohio state, four out of seven, basically it's been Alabama and Clemson every year. And then Oklahoma and Ohio state sharing a spot and then one out, one outlier. That's the playoff. We're so conditioned to that. Anything outside of that sounds zany, but it feels like you and I are both headed towards zany. Yeah, well, and especially with Alabama, right? I mean, they lost a lot from their offense, and there's reasons to believe that they're still going to be a very good team. I mean, John Metchie at receiver is a very good player. They obviously have a lot of guys in that backfield. They've got a quarterback in Bryce Young who was the number two player in America coming out of school. But at the same time, I just think that this is the kind of year for Alabama that ends up being a little bit of a transitional year. Now, they don't have down years. I mean, they're going to win 10 games and they're going to be playing in the New Year's Six. But this is an opportunity. This is this is literally a once in a decade opportunity for Texas A&M to come out and beat Alabama at Kyle Field. It's going to be one of the biggest games in the history of Kyle Field. Uh, It's going to be a, a game that could potentially give them at least the tiebreaker, even if they do lose a game in the regular season to go 11 and one. So I do think that Texas A&M ends up making it over Alabama to the SEC title game. Now, once they get there again, I have them losing and I have them as the first team out. But it does mean, yes, that that Alabama looks more like an 11 and one or maybe a 10 and two team with a, a tiebreaker. So Clemson's my five, Texas A&M is my six, Alabama's my seven. And there you go. And (laughs) thank you to our listeners in Alabama for sticking with us as long as you have. And (laughs) we will see you when you can shove it in our faces when Alabama wins the national championship again. I just think, so you have Texas A&M beating Alabama. Where I think it gets a little hairy is, I, I think that's very possible. But I also don't know, do I believe in Texas A&M enough to think they then run it? Because I think if you wind up, if you wind up with an undefeated SEC championship game this year, I think it's very possible both get in. Because I oh, think yeah, there's totally. going to be such chaos that that's going to be a one versus two matchup. If it's Georgia versus either Texas A&M and Alabama and they're both 12-0, and 0, I think winner and loser are in. My scenario is... Texas A&M beats Alabama, but Texas A&M isn't quite good enough to avoid a hiccup against somebody else. And all of a sudden, now that's a one-loss Texas A&M that beats Bama, loses to somebody else. Alabama's a one-loss non-champ. Like, they've gotten in that way before, but it's too chaotic to get in that way this year. And then Texas A&M, as a two-loss team, right, even with the win over Alabama, it's not good enough, right? And so that's – is that kind of how you're seeing it? And again, I think there are ways, too, where – 
well, maybe Alabama does beat Texas A&M, but Alabama loses to somebody else. And then Alabama loses to Georgia. And I just think there's a scenario where I think it's going to be hard for that West Division team in the SEC to get to the SEC title game undefeated. And then that makes it hard for the SEC to get into. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm looking at this as an 11-2 Texas A&M team who loses in the SEC title game and a 10-2 Alabama team that, again, is still very much ranked in the top 10 as, you know, maybe number seven or number eight. Uh, but... I, I do think, and, and I, that's the other thing too, right? I do think that being 11-2 and two with a win over Alabama, even if it's not Alabama's best team, is enough to still get Texas A&M right to the precipice. The question is, though, I think that when we get to number four, we're going to be looking at potentially teams with one or fewer losses heading forward. And now again, this, this could all be, we might just have to add a loss. We might have to add two losses to everybody just with how weird this year could potentially get. But that would be my scenario is I'm looking at, Teams with one or fewer losses, uh, all four of them in the college football playoff. My scenario, I I do have I have one undefeated team in the Power Five. Yeah, in my in my the way I pieced it all together, and then Cincinnati. Let's talk about Cincinnati very quickly. Okay, do you have Cincinnati in your top four? I do not. Okay, neither do I. I just think I think they might beat Indiana and Notre Dame. We just let them in. If you're a Cincinnati fan, don't be mad. We yeah. just did a whole half hour on you. We let you in. <laughs> I just think it's hard to be perfect. And so especially two years in a row, get, get me to the world where they are being compared with a bunch of one loss teams. And we will have a really fun discussion. I just think it's going to be hard. And if they have one loss and they're in a big mishmash of one loss teams, it's like one loss Bama or one loss Cincinnati. It's like, what are you talking about? There's not a (laughs) one loss saying never one loss Cincinnati. It's just, they have to be perfect to have a chance. And I just think that's a big ask. Right. Right. No, there's no question about it. And so they are, again, probably going to finish somewhere in that six, seven, eight range, similar to what they did last year. Uh, I think that they'll have maybe even a better chance to win a major bowl game than they did the year before. I mean, again, last year they played Georgia and that's that's no fun. Um, You know, so I do think they have a chance to win a New Year's Six Bowl. I think that they obviously will. uh, You know, I expect that they're going to win the American Athletic Conference. So it's going to be a really, really special year at Cincinnati. But I do think it ends up being somewhere more in the finishing in the number seven range all right so we're, we're spending this is a good we had to lay it down because it's like oh who, who's uh who's not in uh the the most famous teams nick, nick saban's yes. not in so we better yes so, sorry nick yes. about that all right who is in this is not this is this is not the not the college football playoff show this is the college football <laughs> playoff show so who is your number four seed for the playoff shot like i mentioned you're going to have Georgia Clemson in week one. That game will really shape, I think, the college football playoff. And I have the loser at number four. I have Clemson. I think that this will be potentially their only loss. They'll finish the season 12-1. and one. They'll easily beat North Carolina in the ACC title game. Maybe it needs to be a dominant performance against North Carolina to really cement their ticket. But the other thing, too, is that I will spoil it. I do have Georgia in my playoff. Mm. So their only loss will have been in week one to a college football playoff team and one that I obviously will have very high. So I do think that that does help mitigate the loss a little bit, especially if the game is close. If Clemson gets blown out in week one against Georgia, I mean, that shouldn't happen for a lot of reasons. But but if if Georgia does end up blowing out Clemson, then I think that this conversation changes. And really, then you might have a discussion between, OK, how how close is A&M, how close is Alabama in the SEC title game to Georgia or vice versa. Um, but but I do have Clemson 
going through the next 12 games undefeated, finishing 12 and one, winning the ACC and just eking their way into the college football playoff. You and I have the same season for Clemson. It's whether they're barely four or barely five. And my scenario that has them barely five is a whacked out scenario that is, again, threading a very specific needle. So I'm going to save that for now. And we're going to go to your number three team because I'm I I don't think it's that I'm I'm not embarrassed of my scenario. It is just so specific that when we get to it, we're going to have to talk about it for a little bit. I'm not, is it embarrassed? It's not embarrassed. I, I stand behind my picks. I'm very curious. I have no idea what you're what you're going to say next. So let's yeah, let's move to number three. Okay. Who's your Who's your number three, Sean? I've got Ohio State. Uh, same sort of deal. I think they lose one game during the regular season, maybe just some growing pains, but they go twelve and one. They easily win the Big Ten. Uh, you know, I think that more for me. These top three teams, I think they're going to finish with either zero or one loss. Probably, I mean, all of three of them could potentially have a loss, but I do think then it's going to come down to level of dominance, level of schedule, uh, whether they kind of have some marquee opponents. I don't know that the Big Ten is going to have a marquee team for Ohio State to beat. I mean, Wisconsin could be pretty good. Penn State could be all right. But I don't know if they have sort of a team to point to that's really going to change. They do play Oregon, of course. That's going to be a big game, but... You know, I I think that obviously if Ohio State's biggest game is in week two or whatever versus Oregon, I, I don't know that that's going to be enough to really, if they have a loss, to, to give them a great case for number one seed. I have Ohio State as my only undefeated Power 5 team, which is not the same as the best Power 5 team. Yeah. Oregon in week two, Oregon has some interesting defensive pieces. I, I think that could be interesting. This Thursday night opener against Minnesota. Minnesota's got a lot back. It could be interesting. Ohio State's playing a new quarterback. They have 10 dudes back on offense, though, beyond the quarterback that are the real deal. The defensive line should be really good. Questions in the secondary for sure. But I just think I just think they get through, and I have them as my number two seed. Undefeated, the only undefeated team, but not the overall number one seed. And I do think, again, with what you're talking about with their schedule, Shahan, if they have a loss in there, I think we'll get a sense maybe this week of who the second best team in the Big Ten is because Indiana and Iowa are playing and Wisconsin and Penn State are playing. And so Ohio State's playing Indiana and Penn State in their division. And then it's probably going to be Iowa or Wisconsin as the West champ in the title game. So and they don't play either of Iowa or Wisconsin in the regular season. We'll get a better read on the Big Ten very quickly. I just don't know who's going to get them, even if I think they might be vulnerable because of their back seven, because of a young quarterback. So I have them number two at 13 and 0. Who's your number two, Sean? So the top two is interesting. I do think, again, I, I could see either of these teams coming in with one loss, especially in this kind of year. But I think that the combination of dominance and schedule is going to make things interesting. So I have Oklahoma number two. I do have them beating Iowa State two times, even if they do lose a game somewhere else. So I think that they finished 12 and one, win the Big 12 pretty easily, beat potentially a borderline top 10 Iowa State twice. And I think that that's enough to get them up to number two. All right. You ready for my needle? I mean, we need to start okay. threading. Okay. okay. I think I might be the only person in America. And I did get some because I've, I've talked about this a little bit. I have two. Big 12 teams in the playoff. What? <laughs> what? Only man in America. What's going on? I, what am I, what am I listening to? I, am a, I stand for the Big 12. That's me. I'm, the, I'm this Big 12 stand. Oh, my gosh. And, and here, <laughs> thread it. Spread the word, Shahan. Tell your Big 12 brethren that in there with their last dying breath, they get two teams in the playoff. And here's how. 
I have I, so Iowa State knows how to play Oklahoma. There is some they yes. know how to hang. They know how to overcome a talent deficit. They know how to hang. We have talked about Iowa State. I have said about I said Iowa State on this podcast. The more I look at them, the more I believe in them for whatever reason. This is my scenario. I have Oklahoma as the four seed and Iowa State as the three seed. And that is based on this. It is based on Oklahoma being undefeated number one, like the best team in the country. They're the best team in the country. And they lose to Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game. And Iowa State's only other loss is in the regular season to Oklahoma. Now, that's the hardest part of this equation. I have seen a couple other people put put Iowa State in the playoff. I have seen nobody else put both in. But we had a question on the Q&A press conference, Pajahan, about a championship game loser. Should they ever get in the playoff? And I said, I've got a scenario. That's my scenario. And this is how a team like one loss ACC champ Clemson gets edged out, right? Because if Oklahoma, if everybody thinks Oklahoma is the number one best team in the country and they lose their championship game to a team they already beat in the regular season, and they are their only losses. And you have Oklahoma and Iowa State at 12-1 and one with a split. What do you do? And I yeah. think the answer might be you put in both. Because if yeah. you, how could you put in Oklahoma and not put in Iowa State? They have the same record. Right. They split, but Iowa State's got the trophy. But how could you not put in Oklahoma that a lot of people would still think is the best team in the country that just happened to lose to a very good team in a conference title game? I have a. I just think it's going to be hard for Oklahoma to beat them twice. And if this is the way the split goes, if the split goes the other way, it's easy to leave out Iowa State based on perception yes. and reputation. Hey, yes. it was a fluke. Iowa State got them in the regular season like last year. But when it mattered, Oklahoma took care of business, got, it, got its revenge, and Oklahoma's in as a Big 12 champ. This is the only scenario. But yeah. I think this scenario that I've crafted, I'm leaving out potentially one loss Alabama, one loss Texas A&M, and one loss Clemson in favor of two Big 12 teams, Shahan. But I don't think in this very specific scenario that that's completely crazy. Yeah, Ooh, man, I, I did not see this coming. I uh, You don't prepare for moments like these. I feel like Scott Frost out here. Uh, but, uh, you know, that would be the one scenario, right? And I think for me, I haven't seen... A title game upset, right? Like yeah. I haven't seen Oklahoma. I mean, they're four and zero since the Big Twelve brought back the title game. They've won six straight Big Twelve championships. I don't think I can conceptualize the idea of them showing up on that stage in Arlington and losing that game. I, I think it's much more likely you see the opposite, like you mentioned, of Iowa State potentially winning uh, the regular season game and then Oklahoma still finding a way to pull off the Big 12 title game. But that is the scenario, right? That that does end up being the scenario, and I think you're right. I mean, if you are comparing non-conference champion Oklahoma who has a win over the only team that's beat them with Clemson who yes they lost to Georgia but they also don't have a win like Iowa State would have been that does make it interesting that that does definitely make it interesting the one thing that I'll say is that back I I mean listen I I mentioned I I went to uh I went to Baylor and was there back in 2014 and so that will always be the most triggering uh, college football playoff moment of all time because for a million reasons And what it came down to in so many of those cases is like, okay, well, you know, with uh, with Clemson, yeah, you know, they go 12 and one and they're only lost to Georgia. So it's a good loss. Right. Right. So it's a good loss. It's not that big a deal. So maybe that's enough to kind of just be like, well, if they hadn't played Georgia, they played anybody else. 
then they would have gone 13 and 0, which is probably true. So is that compelling enough? I think the ACC probably has to be just good enough that, uh, to, to kind of make up that gap because you won't have a win like Iowa State. But man, I, I don't know. I, I feel like my, my brain is just like on overdrive right now trying to figure out what the heck just happened. When the, when the Big 12, if and when the Big 12 officially ceases to exist and people go back and do like <laughs> the 50 greatest moments in the history of the Big 12, <laughs> will some guy on the college football playoff show... <laughs> Picking two Big 12 teams to make the playoff be like number 23. And they'll interview you and you'll be like, well, we now go to a famed national college football writer, Shahan J. Haraja. And you'll be like, yeah, that was my, my that co-host guy. I can't remember his name, but I couldn't believe it when he said it. And they'll be like, where's that guy? Like, oh, he's he he works at Disney World now. I just I can't I can't get away. I cannot get away even two years ago. Wasn't it an overtime game? Iowa State, Oklahoma. Like Iowa State knows yes. how to hang with these guys. I yeah. just I can't get away from that. And I just am envisioning like a thing where Oklahoma all year, Spencer Rattler's gonna win the Heisman. Their defense is shutting down everything everybody says about them. And they get a little fat and happy, right? That you're 12 and 0 and in all this chaos where everybody's beating each other. It's like, well, we know what's a sure thing. Oklahoma's a sure thing. Up, uh, they have to go right. play Iowa State. Here we go. And then here comes Iowa State, which a bunch of guys who have been there before who know how to hang with Oklahoma, who, by the way, have some talent. And it's just what I came up with. And once I, I again, I think I did it like you, Sean, you go through and you say who you think is going to win the games. And then once I came up with this is who I think wins and loses, how do I think the playoff committee would assess them? This is where I landed, because I think the committee, I think there would be people in that room who want, would want to put Oklahoma in. Because I think they would have yeah. an argument. I think they're the best team. I think they're going to win the national championship. How can we not have them in? But then how can you not put in the team with the same record that split with them that has the trophy? And that's how you wind up with two. It's almost a reluctance to put in Iowa State. Because if you put in Oklahoma over Iowa State, you may as well stop the playoff. People are going to be like, results don't matter. Championships don't matter. <laughs> so the result is that Clemson gets the squeeze, which I said at the start. Somebody gets the squeeze here. <sighs> okay. Doug, you're okay. You're going to make it. All right, so Oklahoma is my four. Iowa State is my three. Ohio State is my two. You have Clemson four, Ohio State three, Oklahoma two. Shahan, who's your one? Do we have the same number one overall team in the Georgia Bulldogs? We do. Look at that. Look at that. Like we mentioned, we have Georgia going and beating Clemson. And the thing is, too, if they beat Clemson and Clemson still ends up going 12-1, and one, I don't think it's that big a deal if Georgia does go and lose a game in the regular season, lose to Florida or whatever, right? Because you'll have an opportunity to make up that loss in the SEC title game, and you will have a better win than anybody else in the country with a win over Clemson. Yep. And so from that perspective, I think that I think the committee would give Georgia a lot of respect for beating, again, either Alabama or Texas A&M. Obviously, the SEC game, uh, you'd expect, regardless of who's on the other side of it, I mean, heck, if uh, if LSU's on the other side of it, if Ole Miss is on the other who cares? It, it, that's going to be a play-in game. Whoever wins that game is almost certainly going to be playing in the college football playoff. And so if Georgia wins that game and they have the win over Clemson, I think that's better than what anybody else can bring to the table. And so I think that they come in as the number one overall seed. I agree, and I have them with a loss that I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something. And I'm just throwing some losses out because when we've talked about these undefeated teams, it's these blue bloods that have been through it going undefeated. And if all of a sudden we're getting a little, okay, we see a slight vulnerability with Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, whatever, then you're relying on, we think these other teams can win big games, but are they going to be perfect? 
It's hard to be perfect, man. Come on. It's hard to be perfect. So I have Georgia 12 and one, but seated higher than Ohio State because their wins in the SEC, the SEC champ, a 12 and one SEC champ that also be Clemson is more impressive than an undefeated Big Ten champ. Let me double back on the crazy thing I said before about the thing that I said before. Because <laughs> in the end, by the way, when they get in that room, it's not that they'd be letting in. It's not a Big 12 discussion. It's an Oklahoma discussion. And Oklahoma is a blue blood. Right. So, like, it's, right. it's like Iowa State's already in. They're the one last Big 12 champ that just knocked off undefeated number one. They're in. So now you're having a discussion about Oklahoma versus Clemson. And, and well, can the Big 12 win that discussion? It's not a Big 12 discussion. It's an Oklahoma discussion. Can Oklahoma win that fourth spot as a one-loss team over Clemson or Texas A&M or Alabama? Yeah, I think with what Oklahoma has been, and if you think this is the best of Oklahoma, then I think they can win that breakdown, and that's how you get to that. So we wind up with the same number one, and we wind up with three of the same playoff teams. We all have George, we both have Georgia in, we both have Oklahoma in, we both have Ohio State in. You have Clemson, I have Iowa State, and then we both have like Texas A&M and Bama sort of right on the fringe. So we are pretty much in the same realm here. I want to make sure I get your quick Iowa State take on this because you do know Iowa State better than I do. By the way, if I was Iowa State could lose to Iowa in week two and this whole thing blows up because like they that's <laughs> right. I mean, like Iowa State has to be perfect, look awesome, except for the Oklahoma loss and then get it back. So talking about no room for error for Cincinnati, Iowa State would be in the same boat here. Do you just think they're going to get you just think they're going to get tripped up by somebody along the way because it's hard to be perfect? Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that you say about the Big 12, right? I mean, everyone talks about the top. I think the middle is really good. And we haven't Mm. seen the same team play in the Big 12 title game twice since they reinstituted it back in 2017. I mean, you went TCU in 17, Texas in 18, Baylor in 19, Iowa State in 20. We haven't seen the same team twice. Now, that will probably happen this year because I do think either TCU or Iowa State will probably be that team. But... You know, it's, it's a tough path. And the other thing, too, that you mentioned is that last year, Iowa State, you know, I think that they played four one-score games. And so it's not, I, I don't think it's as much of a guarantee as like an Ohio State, right? That they just go and run through their schedule yeah. or that Clemson kind of goes and runs through their schedule. So I think that there's more room for, not. I guess it's the opposite. There, there's more potential error there. Uh, and again, when you're a team that executes as well as they do and relies on execution as much as Iowa State does, I think that the floor is just a little bit lower. Now, again, I, I have them playing a New Year's Six game. I have them, I do have them playing in the Big 12 championship game again. I have them again losing to, to Oklahoma a couple of times. And that's a great year. That's a really, yeah. really good year. But uh, I, I do think that when you're asking them to to go through those 11 other games undefeated, that's a lot to ask. And and I do think that they will beat Iowa finally. I do think they will uh, have a chance to beat Oklahoma once potentially, but it's just hard for me to imagine that they're just going to run through the rest of that schedule. You know, this is like a Michigan State 2015 scenario where it's just stuff comes together. Who would have expected that Michigan State would go in to Columbus and beat the defending undefeated national champ? But they did it, right? Because right, they had a couple right. dudes and they, they had a good secondary they, they just had a game plan. They had a good coach. And I think that's, that's the Iowa State path here. So then my semifinals are Georgia-Oklahoma, Ohio State-Iowa State. Your semifinals are Georgia-Clemson rematch and Oklahoma-Ohio yes. State. Do you think the committee would do any hanky-panky to try to avoid a Georgia-Clemson rematch? 
Yeah, that would be real tough. I mean, I could see them if it's two 12 and one teams, I could see them uh, and Oklahoma. I obviously have beating Iowa State twice. I could see them nudging them up to number one to avoid that rematch. But when I look at it, when I look at it from the outside, not trying to take into account matchups or anything like that, uh, which, which obviously isn't realistic. I just don't see how you can have Georgia anything but one, and I don't see how you can have Clemson anything but four. Okay. So then who do you have winning the semifinal games? I have Clemson winning the rematch over Georgia. I, I think that Georgia's lucky that they get Clemson in week one, right? Okay. I think that that's going to be a big opportunity for them. I think that they're a more experienced team, and Clemson is going to be a little young. But by the end of the year, I mean, we talked about this defensive front, man. This defensive front is going to be maybe the best in college football. And then when you get DJ a little bit more time under center, when you get some receivers coming along, when you know what you've got at running back, maybe you have Will Shipley kind of taking over full time at that running back position. I, I think they have a chance to be really, really good. So I think that Clemson ends up taking the rematch over Georgia. Beating a team also twice is really hard. And in the other game, Oklahoma, Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, excuse me. It's a tough one, right? Because because I think that you've got uh, two of the best the best offenses in the country. I think that actually the thing that ends up making the difference in this game is I think that Oklahoma is going to still be further along as a defense. Uh, I, I think that they're going to have a chance to be really dynamic. I think that they're going to uh, I think they're going to present a really good test for those great uh, Ohio State offensive tackles. And at this point, I, I just think that Oklahoma has a better quarterback. I think that Spencer Rattler could potentially win the Heisman Trophy. I think that while their receivers aren't quite as good, I think they have a lot of upside. And so I do have Oklahoma finally at long last beating Ohio State, and winning a college football playoff game. You and I have spent too much time together because I also have <laughs> Georgia as the one seed losing the semifinal. So my scenario is Oklahoma is the best team all year. They lose the Big 12 championship game because I think someone just said it's hard to beat a good, a good team twice. I think someone just said that it is. five seconds it is. ago. <laughs> but then Oklahoma does get in, and then Oklahoma beats Georgia. And like Georgia, we, we conjure the great Georgia talent, but can they get over the top? They get rattlered, right? I don't know what else to tell you. Oklahoma has the better quarterback in that game. The Oklahoma defense is good enough. And then Ohio State is like, wow, no offense to Iowa State, but we get Iowa State in a semifinal, and then it's just <laughs> it's just talent. I mean, it's just – and then right. Iowa State doesn't have Ohio State's number the way that they've learned to play Oklahoma the, the past three years, and it's just a talent matchup, and so Ohio State beat, beats Iowa State. And so you wind up – your national championship game is Clemson-Oklahoma – Mine is Ohio State, Oklahoma. So who's your national champion, John? <sighs> when we started this show, we, you know, we said that we're going to take chance. We're going to speak our mind, right? We we talked about this a few weeks ago when the when the AP poll came out, right? It is easy and it is lazy to put a team like Alabama number one just because they were good before. You have to project. You have to say what you think is going to happen. You have to say what you think is going to be different. So for the first time. Since Y2K, I'm going to have the Oklahoma Sooners winning the national championship. What a rare, bold prediction by Shahan that I also agree with. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We wind up in the same. We're seriously, we both have Georgia as the one seed and Oklahoma as the national champion is where we wind up on this thing. I have Oklahoma over Ohio State. And, and honestly, Oklahoma... With a great quarterback, a great offensive line, some interesting skill guys, a defense that is certainly getting better. I think in the Doug threading the needle, and, and a lot of it for you too, I think 
Both of us would have Alabama and Texas A&M sitting at home. I also have Clemson sitting at home. I think they would all watch the national championship game and say, we're better than those guys. And, <laughs> and, and maybe be right. But it, sure. it's not, that's not the question. It's not the same thing as who's the best team and who's the national champ. It isn't always the same thing. I don't know. As, and as much as I say, I think Oklahoma is going to be number one and look the best and then have an upset, whatever. I don't know who the best team is. I don't, I just think I'm just making a pick for the national championship. I'm not sure there is a best team, but I can't just lean to the obvious with Alabama and Clemson, which has been the obvious lean since we started this thing, just based on playing a younger quarterback, especially the, the, the NFL draft exodus at Alabama. Um, I'm still not exactly sure about the Clemson run game. You know, I just, there's enough little stuff that, I just think it's that kind of year. I just think it's that kind of year, which is why I think if you're looking for a lightning in the bottle moment in year eight, that's why I went with Iowa State because I could. I think it could be a lightning in a bottle kind of year, Shahan. Yeah, and I think that you look at Oklahoma out of these top teams, the top four that we kind of always refer to. They're the only team that obviously brings back a quarterback. They're the only team that really, I think, in a lot of ways, brings back a lot. Uh, you know, Alabama. We mentioned losing their entire offense is the first year they're not going to be playing with players like Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, those kinds of receivers in several years. Uh, and with Clemson, you lose Travis Etienne, one of the best running backs in the history of college football, along with Trevor Lawrence. So they're going to be really good defensively, but it might take some time. Uh, and so I think that you just look at this top group. And and I you know I will mention Ohio State obviously a lot of proven options on that offensive side of the ball a lot of unproven on the defensive side of the ball so just a lot of things that need to happen I think there are less questions funnily enough about this Oklahoma team than there are about those other three uh, top four teams that we always refer to and so uh, this is an opportunity this is like seriously this this might be the the best chance that Oklahoma has to win a national championship for. 10 years. I mean, this this is really a culmination year with the combination of what they have, what they bring back, what they have at quarterback in terms of experience and in terms of talent, whatever at receiver in terms of quarterback and in terms of talent. Uh, in terms of coach, I mean, I think that Lincoln Riley is going to keep being pursued by the NFL year after year after year. Like this is a culmination year. And then you also get it in a year where those other teams are maybe slightly down versus the rest of the field. So a lot has to happen, but we didn't we didn't uh, start this show to to you know just go with the pack and say that Alabama's going to win everything. But again, we're just no, we're not doing it to be cool. It's just what we think. It's just what we think. My top four: Georgia, Ohio State, Iowa State, Oklahoma. Shahan's top four: Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. National title game: I have Oklahoma over Ohio State. Shahan has Oklahoma over. Clemson. Those are our picks for the college football playoff on the college football playoff show. Again, a lot of great games this weekend. And again, we are going to start thinking about kicking a team out each week as we usher teams in. We are at 10 right now. We can go as high as 12. We will not go over 12 no matter what. But we have some teams on this first weekend. As Shahan said, Georgia Clemson, huge game as we see for, for the, the whole playoff is happening right here in week one. Miami, Alabama is going to tell us something. That's a big game in week one. I mean, I, I don't know how many people are picking Miami to win that game, but it will tell us if any of this Alabama vulnerability idea is a facade and we're nuts or if there's actually something to it. We'll try to figure out. I think we'll have a long way to go in figuring out the second best team in the Big Ten, which might enter the playoff picture after this week. So some interesting games. But when we come back, we got to do what we always do, which is get a little personal. 
on the College Football Playoff Show. We'll do that next with Doug and Sean. Doug Maurice, Shahan Jeharaja of CBS Sports. Again, I'm going to be have to. That's like an Oxford comma in there because, like, I am not of CBS Sports. CBS is like we didn't have that. Not that guy. <laughs> it's not Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja of CBS Sports. It's Doug Maurice. Whatever punctuation Shahan wants to put in there to make it clear that his employer did not hire me. So it's semicolon. A, yeah. semi, maybe three semicolons <laughs> and and a couple paragraph tabs just to make it clear. Only Shahan works for CBS Sports. Make sure you start reading his work there. Shahan, we go personal. What, what you got? You got a little question to let the uh, listeners know about us? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with football this week. So I'm going to take Georgia Clemson out of it. I think that's too obvious an answer. If you could pay to watch one college football game, or if you had to pay to watch one college football game live this year, what would you pick? One college football game live this year. It might be Texas A&M, Alabama. I think I have yeah. a lot of interest in that. Um, I've never, like, I just have not experienced anything in the SEC. So I'm always very yeah. much on alert for get me to Death Valley. I want to, let me, let me see what, what some of this stuff is about. Get me to, you know, Georgia, Florida, right? Get, I, I want to see some of these games. But, but I think that idea of Alabama as the, king of college football going on the road to a team that is in the same realm of talent as Alabama and feels like it's their opportunity. I can't imagine Kyle Field, Shahan. You'll probably, you might even be there. I can't imagine what that vibe is going to be for a fan base that from the moment they hired Jimbo Fisher, this is why they did it. And they feel like this is their chance. I think there's going to be an electricity in that stadium, isn't there? Yeah, there, there's no question about it. I think that's going to be, that would have been my answer as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll change it up too. I mean, but that game is going to be tremendous. I think it's going to be a game that could determine who plays in the SC championship game. Uh, another thing to mention, right, is that no former Saban assistant has ever beaten Nick Saban. I think that this is as good an opportunity, if not maybe the best opportunity that, that you'll get maybe since that national title game with Kirby Smart against Alabama. So it's going to be a really exciting game. Kyle Field, I will mention, is one of the best venues that I've that I've been to. Now again, I've primarily been around uh, sort of this Southwest corridor, but like it is it is special. It is a head above to me, Texas. It's it's better than Oklahoma to me. Like it's it's really really good. So that that'll be a really exciting one. I certainly hope that I'm able to go to that one. Uh, so. I'll flip it around. You know, I've been to a couple in the South. I'm going to, I'm going to head up North. I'd be really interested to see that Ohio state Oregon game. Um, you know, just to see a game, uh, obviously in the horseshoe, I think will be a lot of fun. You get to, you get to do it all the time. It's probably a little less special to you, but I, I would love to go see a game there. Um, and I think that Oregon coming to town, there's going to be some real playoff implications on the line. Uh, it's going to be only the second game back. So there's still going to be all sorts of excitement for college football. Uh, and, and I will admit part of it is because I don't think that there is another obvious uh, Big Ten game that's going to be especially interesting for Ohio State. Another one that I'll mention, I, I can't actually remember where it is, but Penn State-Wisconsin is is going to be a really interesting game, too. Yeah, that's at Wisconsin in, in this week. At Wisconsin. Yeah. So Camp Randall, obviously one of the, the great venues in college football. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And the other thing, too, is that I think that it's going to be a very meaningful game in terms of telling us who maybe that second-best team in the Big Ten is. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really curious to see. I, I'm pretty high on Wisconsin, uh, you know, so I'm really curious to see kind of if they live up to the hype. I do love the the intersectional non-conference games, which we didn't get last year. That's one of those, like Ohio State, Definitely. Oregon. Ohio State was supposed to be at Oregon last year, and all these games didn't happen because with COVID, 
people just played their conference games. It's hard to get a gauge on how teams compare to each other without the non-conference. So that's why I'm excited about these early season games because we're immediately going to get a barometer that we missed a year ago. But I'm always going to pick a a stadium game, a campus game, right? I mean, no offense to Georgia Clemson and Miami, uh, Alabama, but if you're playing in an NFL stadium, it's it's not the same. I want to experience the campus stuff. So, like, for instance, I'm glad that Alabama's getting away from that a little bit and getting into yep. more campus home and homes because that, I think, is yep. the best of college football when you see these 100%. teams exchange that and these cultures and the campus visits. So uh, Oregon, Ohio State's a good pick for that. All right, we appreciate you guys being part of it. We've done it. We've gotten through talking about the playoff <laughs> for eight weeks of no season. And here we are with our 10 teams that we deem the contenders going into this year. Join us every week. We're really going to get rolling now. There's this universe where this was show one. And it's like, hey, we're starting a show and the season's starting. Boy, everybody's excited. It's like, no, we did it for two months to get you geared up for this. So that, you know, Shahan and I could get to know each other a little bit. And and you guys could get to know us. So we're so grateful to everybody who's been along for the ride, whether you've been here since the beginning or whether this is your first show. Thank you so much for trying us out. We do a Q&A episode every Tuesday, this main pod every Wednesday. That's what we're going to continue to do during the season. Make sure you're reading Shahan at CBS Sports. And if you want to try the texts, 817-442-6789. You get to vote. You get to ask us questions. It's fun. It's free for two weeks and a buck a month after that. For Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Playoff Show.